Everybody just stand up and stretch one more time. Everybody stretch. It is hard to speak after lunch, but I think it is harder to listen after lunch, right? So, all right, go ahead. You may be seated. It's certainly a blessing to be with men and women that have a uh, very serious mind about what you're doing. And uh, remember what we're doing is the greatest work in the world. The work of God is the greatest work in the world. And so if God has called you into full-time ministry today, um, there are the three B's, I call them. There are always battles. There are always battles. If you're speaking truth, there's always going to be battle. Um, there are always burdens. There are always things to carry that are heavy. Uh, most of you understand carrying other people's burdens in prayer and uh, sometimes in counseling and different ways. But there are always blessings. There are battles, there are burdens, and there are blessings. And so oftentimes we get weighed down by the battles and by the burdens. And we don't take as many or as much time to count our blessings. i share with you just a practical thing that I've been doing since my sophomore year in college. been doing it now 30 years. And that is every week I take time to record the works of God in my family and the works of God in our church. And I've cataloged hundreds, yea, thousands of God's blessings and the works of God. Every week, my staff and I, we have a meeting, and we take time to recollect the blessings of God upon our ministry and upon our families. You would do well to record the works of God. When you study Israel in the Old Testament, they forgot the works of God, and it led to other really bad choices. Your view of God is determined by whether or not you count your blessings. And a lot of people have a wrong view of God today. A lot of believers do. Um, and some of that's because they don't, they don't remember all that God's done for them. And so I um, want to encourage you on that. It's a very, very important part of our ministry. It's a very, very important part to keeping even keel day in, day out in the work of the ministry is to remember the works of God. And uh, that's not my message. That was free, okay? Uh, that was not connected to what I'm going to deal with today. I would like you to turn in your notes back under the orange tag, uh, uh, divider here. And I would like you to turn to the second page of the handouts under that. Uh, second page. And I really would like to deal with staying on track um, in the ministry. And so uh, let's bow forward a prayer. Lord, we do want to thank you for the kindness of our church today. And Lord, uh, thank you for the blessing of meeting other believers, Lord, around the world, on the other side of the world, that Lord have the same heart 
Lord, to please you and trust you and serve you and worship you. And God, you're very, very gracious to all of us today. Thank you for eternal salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we've been accepted into the beloved. Lord, thank you for adopting us as your children, whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. Thank you, Lord, for redemption and justification. Lord, thank you for imputation. Lord, thank you for, Lord, your promises. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the local church. Thank you for brethren, Lord, that we gathered together with. And Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes again, as you did last session, Lord, to behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, I pray for men and women here today, Lord, keep us on track. In Jesus' name, amen. You ever feel like there's always something pulling on you? Something that's pulling for your attention? Something that's pulling for your energy? Something that's pulling for your attention? Something that's pulling for your affection? Pulls. Life is full of poles. Poles. Some of you are caring for loved ones. You have a father or a mother and their health is not good. And we have a biblical responsibility, don't we? To care and honor our parents. That's a lifetime principle, by the way. Alright? Some of you have that pole. Some of you have children. Training of children for the Lord. That's a good pull, isn't it? But it's a pull. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes planning. It takes prayer. It takes discipline. It takes getting their heart. All of those things involved in training children. And so there's that pull. You have the pull of marriage. The most important relationship in your life outside of your relationship with God is your marriage partner. And that relationship can't just coast, gentlemen. That thing can't just... You can't just, well, I got her, stick her in my hip pocket, and I got her for the rest of my life. That relationship needs nurture. That relationship needs time. That relationship needs communication. That relationship needs things to be able to enjoy together. That relationship, there are a lot of wives in the ministry today that are operating on fumes. And it's generally not the wife's fault. It's generally the man's fault. He's running and gunning in ministry, and he's leaving the most important relationship in his life behind. Um, I remember when Bill came over to the Philippines, and of course he knew the language. Marcia didn't know the language. He knew the culture. Marcia didn't know the culture. And we had a sit-down talk, one of those pastor talks. And uh, I said, Bill, you can go over there and you can run and you can build a work overnight probably with the set of gifts that God's given you, but you better bring your wife along. You, you you better care for your children. You better make sure they get adjusted to life in a new country and all of that. By the way, it'd be the same for you if you went to a different country. There's cultural adjustments. There's language adjustments. All of those things. They're poles. They're poles. And I say that to say this, that when they're poles... We have to know what the right track looks like. We have to keep the big rocks in the jar right. And so I'm dealing with pastors today 
in this session primarily out of the book of 1 Timothy. When you look at 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, the three pastoral epistles, they are really the most thorough discussion of godly leadership in a local church in all of Scripture. That's why Paul wrote those books. He wrote them to give a pattern, to give a very clear picture of what the right track looks like for a pastor as far as his role, all right? Uh, And so I want to deal with staying on track in ministry. If you've ever been hiking before, you know that there are sometimes paths that cross on a hike, and it's possible to get off on the wrong track. Years ago, we were in the Smoky Mountains down in Tennessee in in America, and we hiked as a family, Ramsey Falls. It was an eight-mile hike, four miles out, four miles back, And on that path, my uh, other sister, not Marsha, my other sister Heidi, got lost. She got off the path. And when you get off the path, all kinds of things can happen. In her case, she uh, she saw a bear, and that kind of scared her. Um, And she told us about that story a little bit later. Uh, When you get off the path, sometimes it's not easy to find the right path again. Uh, depending where you're at, depending on the circumstances, depending on the change of weather and darkness and so on. But it's easy to get off the right path when you're hiking, when there are multiple paths. And it is easy in the ministry to get off the right track because of poles. I was counseling with a pastor just before I, before I came over to the Philippines about a week and a half ago. We were talking about ministry together. He's telling me, he said, well, he said, I really want my son to get started in a business. I want him to own a business so that he can uh, develop himself. So I'm going to take part in the business and I'm going to play this role in the business. And he was explaining me to that. And I just just shot across my mind, distraction, distraction, distraction. Like that's not going to contribute to your role as a pastor. And it's going to steal time, large amounts of time, from your role. Now, there may be here to men today, some of you may have to work a job to supplement for your family. I'm not knocking on that today. Please don't, don't take that from me. Uh, you need to provide for your family. That's a biblical responsibility is that role. But what I'm saying is there are lots of poles. And Paul wrote in the pastoral epistles, and defined our role with many different words, and I think it helps identify how we can stay on track. Number one, number one, the role of a servant. If you're going to stay on track in the ministry, you're going to have to keep the heartbeat and the mentality of a servant. First Timothy chapter 4, and look at verse number 6 with me. The Bible says, If thou put the brethren... In remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. In other words, Timothy, if you fulfill the role of serving God's people by putting them in remembrance of the things that I've just discussed, then you will be a good minister or you'll be a good servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, In Titus, he starts off the book of Titus, third pastoral epistle. 
Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after God's, which is after godliness. Paul's view of himself as a servant was in contrast to viewing himself as a master. Let me say it again. Paul's view of himself as a servant was in contrast to viewing himself as a master. For to view himself as a servant acknowledged that he had a master. If you're going to play the proper role in ministry, you have to understand you're a servant of the master. And may I say this, you're primarily a servant of the master. If it comes to being a servant of the people or servant of the master, you're a servant of the master. In other words, you have one boss in life to please, and that's the Lord. And folks, in the ministry, there are pressures to please others, aren't there? We just live with, you know, in our ministry, we have certain policies about things and rules and all of those things for people serving and other things. And there's always people that want the exception. But my child's about to turn eight next month. Then can they go into, you know, there's all kinds of these things that happen in ministry. And uh, we're not there to make people mad. We're not there to hurt people. But sometimes I had a man come in. He says, Pastor, I would like to, I think I have justifiable cause to divorce my wife. And I said, no, you don't. There is no justifiable cause for divorce. You don't have any cause. There's never a cause to divorce your wife. And so we walked through the scriptures and he left a little bit perturbed. And I'm reminded when we deal with situations like that, I have a master. And I'm primarily a servant of God. That means if I please God and I displease somebody else because I please God, oh well. Oh well. It's going to happen. Somewhere in your ministry, it's going to cross. If you're going to please God, you're not going to please somebody else. Oh well. I'm going to choose to fulfill my role of being a servant of the Master. To stay on track in your ministry, you have got to be committed to that role. Servant of the Master. Listen, there are preachers today that are servants of other preachers. They have compromised truth. They have given up ground. They have let go of things that they used to believe because they're a servant of another uh, Master, so to speak. We are servants of God. As I told many uh, of our folks, I am not for sale. You're not going to pay me money. You're not going to do something to me to get me to change uh, my tune on truth. Because we're just going to stick to truth because we're servants of the Master. May I remind all of us our primary role in the ministry is not to be the boss or the ruler. Our primary role in the ministry is to serve the Master. Now, what comes with the role of the pastor is oversight, right? We understand that. Overseer is one of the words that describes the office of pastor. But my primary role is to serve the master in that fulfillment of oversight. Always a servant of the master. 
It is my strong opinion that some of the greatest servants that we know are wives. I mentioned that earlier. Um, but may I remind you that when we treat others and how we treat others, we ought to point them always to the Master. They're not The people at my church aren't there to serve me. I shouldn't expect them to serve me. I should be pointing them to serve the Master. The Master. I'm not a ruler over them to give me, give me, give me. Let me point you to serve the Master. The Master. Servants do what it takes to get the work done that the Master wants. Pastoring, when I was interviewed to take the pastorate of our church, uh, the floor was open to our membership uh, for any questions they wanted to ask me publicly. And they asked me, Pastor, do you think that you'll be in the office uh, in the morning and will you work a regular eight-hour day? And I said, oh, oh, I wish it was just an eight-hour day. Um, pastoring is day and night. Pastoring's all the time. And I just told them, I will do what is necessary to get the work of the ministry done. And if that means 70 hours one week, or that means up till 3 o'clock in the morning, or somebody in the hospital calls me, I'm dying at 3 a.m., you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get dressed, and I'm going to go to the hospital, and I'm not going to go, well, they didn't pay me for that hour. I guess next time I won't do that. Right? The role of a servant. When you lose the heart of a servant, you're off track. We're a servant of the Master. To stay on target in our work, we must actively renew our minds that we are just servants. Did you know that the servants of the Lord are instructed how to treat people in the pastoral epistles? Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 24. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 24. The role of a servant. To stay on track in the ministry, you must keep the mindset of a servant. Verse 24, And the servant of the Lord must not what? Strive. Strive. That means I'm not to be looking for an argument all the time. Neither are you. You're not to be in friction everywhere with all the people. Especially the frivolous things. It's one thing to be in friction over truth, like baptism. This brother I'm teaching on baptism, and he's not there yet. He doesn't have the biblical understanding of that, and I'm, I'm correcting him on that. All right, That's one thing. But even when I do that, I'm going to be gentle with him because the Scripture teaches me, as a servant, I need to treat people with gentleness here unto all men apt to teach and patient. So as a servant working with people every day, I'm to be gentle, I'm to be teaching, and I'm to be patient. How many of you pastors in your church, every time that you teach a truth, everybody gets it on the first time? And they practice it. I mean, they put it into action. The whole church changes every time that you share a truth doesn't happen that way, does it? Usually you teach, 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 retrain, regroup, retrain some more, teach some more, come back around, teach on that again, come back around, preach on that again. And people are slow. The servant of the Lord must be patient. 
When we understand our role, we stay on track. When we lose sight of our role, we get off track. I know men in the ministry that they have a gift in teaching and preaching, but how they treat the people God's given them is not the Bible way. And they have lost, based on how they treat, they've lost what the Bible says about the servant of the Lord. We're to be gentle, we're to be apt to teach, we're to be patient, and then we're to have a spirit of meekness. Not a spirit of superiority, but a spirit of meekness. What does a spirit of meekness look like? Well, in Galatians chapter 6, it looks like this, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. A spirit of meekness understands, you know what, I'm going to help this brother, but truth of the matter is, there could come a time in my life where I need a brother to help me. And meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. And so, how you treat your people reflects whether you understand what a servant is. And what that role looks like in local church ministry, because he's not dealing with, he's not dealing with anything but local church ministry. Remember, the pastoral epistles are about godly leadership in the context of local church. And so, a servant doesn't just work hard at the things he likes; he works hard at the parts he doesn't like. Can I say this? Most of what I do, I enjoy as a pastor. But there are some things I do that I don't enjoy. Okay, I don't enjoy church discipline. I don't look forward to that. I don't look forward to going to a brother, bringing another brother along, telling the church. These are not easy things, but they're necessary things. They're part of the work. I'm a servant of the Master. Not everything the Master gives do I enjoy. He doesn't pick His work out by my likes and dislikes. He picks His work out to what brings Him glory. Therefore, I've got to do work at the things I like, but also the things that I don't like. A servant doesn't negotiate the workload. His concern is the master's plan. The master's plan. In order to be a good servant of Jesus Christ, it is vital that we are putting believers in remembrance of things and that we ourselves are being nursed up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Notice in verses 1-6, through Paul is dealing with some of the apostasy, some of the false teaching that's creeping in. And then in verse number 6, he says, hey, if you are faithful to put the believers in remembrance of these things, then thou shalt be a good minister. Huh. Don't you wish we could just preach a prosperity, positive gospel all the time? I wish it was just all positive. But you know what Paul writes here? He says, hey... We have to warn people that some are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their consciences seared with a hot iron. We have to warn the believers of that direction and that path. That's negative. Now the preacher at my church, all he does is preach negative. Well, if he preaches negative, that's good because he'll be a good minister. You have to denounce apostasy. You have to denounce people that are falling away. Uh, that's biblical. That's part of nourishing the body. There's a philosophy, even among independent Baptists today, to paint God only as a loving God, as a comforting God, and uh, as a kind God, and as a merciful God, and as a long-suffering God. And by the way, God is all that. 
but to ignore the holiness and the justice and the wrath of God. If we're going to present the true God, the one true God of heaven, then we must present the God of the Scriptures. And the God of the Scriptures is loving and He's tender, tender, full of tender mercies and He's ready to forgive and all of those things. But He's also a holy God and He's a just God and He's a God of judgment. And it's important to be a servant of the Lord, a good servant. We have to denounce that which is wrong. We have to present a... Uh, balanced view of God. By the way, dads, by the way, dads, those of you that are dads, you're the number one person in your children's life to present a view of God. They will likely get their view of God from how their relationship is with their father. And you only get one shot at it. It's not like you get to 18 and say, boy, I screwed up the first 15 years. Could I start all over and, and try to fix this? You get one shot at it. You better know your God. You better know, you better know what God is like. And you better portray that to your children. All aspects of God. That was extra. That wasn't in the notes, all right? The discipline, not only the denouncing of apostasy, but if you're going to be a faithful servant, a good minister, you're going to stay on track in the ministry, you have to have the discipline of personal nourishment. Personal nourishment. Notice verse number 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Now watch this. What Paul's saying here is, on one front, Timothy had learned well. This kind of goes in congruence with Dr. Rakinton, the preacher in Ecclesiastes. He has to be somebody that hears admonitions. What Paul is saying about Timothy here is, Timothy, under my tutelage, you were a good learner. You were nourished up by the words of others. But can I say this? You have to learn to nourish yourself up. By the way, in our ministry, isn't that what we're working with people on? At first, I'm working with some new converts. Right now, I'm working with somebody I just led to the Lord named Zach Heindel. Zach doesn't know anything about the Bible. He couldn't tell you the first five books of the Bible. All right? What are we working to do? We're working to nourish him, feed him the milk of the Word, so that eventually he can do what? Feed himself. Nourish himself. Pastors, it's vital in your life that you're learning under others, like a seminary, like some formal training, but it's also important that you're nourishing yourself. You have to have the discipline of study. All right? You're hearing that echoing today, aren't you? Study, study, study. Uh, it's vital for you to fulfill the role of a servant in this passage. Uh, and so, your focus and role as a servant is dependent upon your nourishment. Nourished up means to train in thorough feeding and digesting from what the scripture from what the scripture teaches us. It is easy. Can I give you a pitfall in the ministry? It is easy to take in but not digest. What are you saying, preacher? I'm talking about your knowledge is growing of the scriptures but your own application of the Scriptures is lacking. In other words, you're almost becoming a hearer yourself and not a doer. Nourishment is not only taking, eating like we just did, but digesting 
digesting that food, that spiritual food going through your system or your life, your, how you live your life. And so um, be nourished up. Dine on good teaching. A good diet makes a good servant. All right? Um, be careful who you listen to, though. Some of our independent Baptists get enamored with Reformed theology. And some of the big names in Reformed theology. Can I tell you, stay away. They don't have anything to offer you. They have dead scholarship, dead evangelism, and false doctrine. Stick to men of sound doctrine. And that sound doctrine should be measured by what your doctrine is of your Bible-believing church. That's a good measurement. If you've agreed to your doctrinal statement of your church and you've seen that, then stick with that in what you listen to, in what you read. Uh, you'll be safe. You'll be nourished up in good things. Be a reader of good authors. Listen to solid preaching by others. Feed yourselves daily. Um, that is uh, important to the role of the servant. And then, lastly, under the role of the servant, the decision to refuse and prioritize. Look at verse 7 of 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Can I say today, refuse any philosophy or creed that is unholy. If it's something that is attacking biblical, practical holiness, you should refuse it. If it's something that is a fable, it is new out there. It is something that uh, somebody has come up with in the way of a doctrinal difference. Beware, there's nothing new under the sun. Always measure everything by the Scriptures, the focused role of a servant. Number two, the role of a soldier. The role of a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 2 in the pastoral epistles, we're talking about staying on track. The role of a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and look at with me in verse number 3, Thou therefore endure hardness, as a good soldier. So we have a good minister, and then we have a good soldier. Notice in verse number 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The child of God is to recognize that he is a soldier. Men, may I remind you we are not on a playground. We are on a battlefield. Every day you wake up, if God's given you his flock to oversee. You have to live with the reality that fiery darts are being aimed at them in all directions. Every day is spiritual warfare. It is a battlefield where battles are being won. And it is a battlefield where battles are being lost. It is a battlefield that you oftentimes deal with a wounded soldier in your church. There's real spiritual battle going on. Because the training of other soldiers is at stake, the Spirit commands Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier. What does that mean, preacher, if I'm going to stay on track? That means that you're going to have to endure some difficulties. You're going to have to remain steadfast. Because if you don't do that as a soldier, how in the world 
Does the flock that you serve learn how to do that? If the leadership can't do that. See, our lives are teaching all the time. And we're teaching about the biblical truths of Scripture and the biblical roles. And so, uh, this is not a cushy job. If you're looking at the ministry as a cushy job, get out of it. It's not for you. Because it's not a cushy job. I think of losses in the ministry men and women face. Sometimes it's the loss of a loved one. Brother Bretto, got a soldier over here, and he lost his dear wife a couple years ago. That's a wound. That's real. Sometimes the painful experience of losing someone in your church that you put the most time into out of everybody else, and they're gone. And they're gone overnight. And it happens abruptly. Sometimes it's laying on your bed and wondering if what, what else could have we done to preserve that young disciple. Sometimes it's grieving with someone that is grieving in your church. You see, a good soldier must be steadfast. Can I encourage you in your ministry to just... Be steadfast. Just be unmovable. Just keep plowing. If you're a farmer, you keep plowing. Plow the same furrow. Just stay on that straight path. Just stay faithful to the truths and the Word. Just live the example of a holy, separated life that loves God, loves people, cares for the lost. Just remain steadfast. You ever thought of battle effects on a soldier? In the United States, I don't know if they use this terminology over here, but they use the terminology of PTSD. Post-traumatic syndrome, right? And we don't know what all that means, but we know that some soldiers come back tense, strained, high blood pressure, wounded for life, worried, Nightmares, uptight, discouraged, angry, worn, exhausted. You ever been to any of those before? You ever had any of those feelings in your own heart before? Welcome to the battle. Welcome to the battle. Be steadfast. Work through those things biblically. Don't allow those things to overrule your heart take up root in your heart, do damage to your heart, possibly to others. A good soldier must be single-minded, not only steadfast, but he must be single-minded. Cannot be jumping at everything. You have to stay focused. Imagine a soldier in the midst of battle going to his sergeant or his lieutenant and saying, Sir, I'm sorry I have to leave, but I have to go over to the city to see about business. Then I have a date with a local girl. I won't be able to be at the battle tonight. And you won't be a soldier any longer either. Right? Stay focused. Be careful about entanglements. That's a biblical word. Those are things that at the first they don't look like they're going to take a lot of my energy or my affection or my time. But before long I'm entangled and all of a sudden this is eating precious time of my life and my ministry. The role of a soldier. Let me give you the other ones and I won't be able to delve into them but it's my last couple minutes with you, the role of a soul winner. He was to do the work of an evangelist 
the role of a student. We talked a little bit about that in the first session. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And then lastly, the role of a shepherd. The role of a shepherd. You're there to shepherd people. You're there to care for people. You're there to feed the flock. The motive for the shepherd is not by constraint, but willing. Listen, young men that are here today, if you're not called into ministry, would you listen to this? If you have a willing heart to be used by God in the role of a pastor or a missionary, that's what God works with. He says, I'm not looking for anybody that's looking to do it out of constraint because somebody else is pressuring you. But I am looking for that heart that's willing to do it. Aha. Uh-huh. Now that's a heart I can work with. Uh, be an example to the flock as a shepherd. Be an example. Be with the flock. Listen, in our ministry, we've got a lot of different outreaches and ministries that are going on, but our staff know this. It's ingrained in my teaching and training. If a flock calls, that takes priority above everything else. It doesn't matter what's ha- what else is happening. If there's a flock need, if there's a sheep that's in need, we are running it to them. We are giving them the attention that they need, usually with the Scriptures, usually with, with prayer, but we are running to their need. Don't you be a shepherd that's separated from your flock. You know what? Good shepherds smell like sheep. They're with sheep. They're with sheep. You know my best. My, you know what my best time is outside of my time with my family. My time with our church. I love being with our people, and you ought to love being with yours. If God's made you a shepherd, rejoice in that today. Stay on track. Stay on these roles. Be careful of the extras. Keep life simple in your ministry. Stay to the biblical roles, all right? God bless you. Five-minute break. <laughs>